Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Starbucks is the is undisputedly one of the largest coffee chains in the world, slinging white chocolate mochas worldwide at over 38,000 stores. There have been competitors that have found footholds in niche markets, at least here in America, such as Dunkin' Donuts in the New England area. And anyone who has a Dutch Bros, I'm jealous because they do not have a location here in Chicago. If you had Dutch Bros, no. that is so good. Um, what is it like? I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> good, though. Um, those north of the border will know about Tim Hortons. We got one in my hometown. Oh, well, there we go. I've never been. But all of these carry the same vibe to them. They are quick service coffee shops where you are probably more likely to take it to go. Unless, of course, you are there to desperately write a screenplay for something hella unoriginal. Like, I don't know, a husband dealing with the fallout after his wife dies from cancer. Will he ever find comfort in another woman? Or will he blame himself for never saying I love you enough? That's what I assume everyone's working on in a Starbucks. Either way, when Patisserie Valerie expanded to a national chain in the UK over the course of the mid-2000s, they decided to offer something different. A sit-down style cafe that also served bougie cakes. I like bougie cake. Well, and it was working. They rapidly expanded to over 200 locations. But it seems you really can't have your cake and eat it too, as a series of events threatened to take the company down for good, and finding out all of the details is not a piece of cake. So sit back as we discuss corporate croissant crime on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. I love a croissant. I love a crime. So, all right, there you go. So there we go. A match, Hell yeah. A match made in heaven, us in this story. Also, croissants are kind of boring. I don't care. They taste good. They're buttery. It's, it is flaked pastry, okay? It's good! Okay, put something in a croissant and you get Like chocolate, pan on chocolate. Uh, you know, I'm actually, I, I was Ooh, actually yeah. thinking about that, uh, like, German dish where they put, a, like, sausage in it. Mm. You know, it's, like, basically a croissant on the outside mm-hmm. and it's got a fucking sausage inside. That's I'll pretty t- good. I'll take that, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, any day of the week. I'll take yeah. a sausage any day yeah. of the week. I'm about to say, I was like, I'll you, take might, two. you might as well just say it. I'll take two. One right after the other. Probably not both at the same time. That's a little bit much, but. I think you're underselling yourself. Aw. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And thanks, Kashan. I and a bunch of people out there believe in you. I think that, um, All right. yeah, I, I could do it. So believe in yourself. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to another. D- some DP, double pastry. Yeah. Yeah, of course, course. Yeah. course, 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 mm-hmm. course. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of White Collars. <laughs> Red hands. I'm Kashan, and I'm Nina. And we got we got uh, an interesting one for you today. I'm assuming today is going to be short because yeah. there wasn't short and sweet like a croissant. Like a croissant. Uh, you know, well, yep. A croissant. Not not anything else. Anyway, it's going to be short because uh, yeah, there's not a lot out on this. I thought there would be more, and I started doing the research, and it's just kind of a bunch of articles that say the same thing over and over again, and there's no 
at least from what I could find, there's no primary documents on it. Like there's no court proceeding write-ups. I went to the auditor for this company and like read their progress reports Mm -hmm. and they had like nothing in them, at least not that I could understand. So we'll do the best we can with patisserie Valerie. Um, And believe it or not, the origins of patisserie Valerie were hotly contested for some time. We're gonna apologize right now. It is storming in Chicago. Yeah. Um, we have like a we have like a tornado warning and a thunderstorm warning. So if you can hear that rain, yeah, we, we, we can definitely we hear can it. hear it. So you probably can hear it too. And there might be some thunder. I hope no tree falls on my car. But hey, here we fine. are. Well, this is if you can hear it, then it's ASMR put in the background on purpose yeah, for your go to benefit. Sleep to it. Okay, well, listen to the episode. You're right? now going to be listening to the episode of White Colors, Red Hands. Does that sound like ASMR? No. Oh, I've no. never listened to ASMR. I think they just whisper. You're now. Ew, I don't like that. Yeah, it's gross. That don't made do it, it, uh, something creepy about whispering. Oh, my God. But the origins of Patisserie Valerie were hotly contested as the original opened all the way back in 1926. And at first, there was no hard evidence of its founder until recently. Esther Van Geiskum. <laughs> what a hot name. That's, that's sexy. That's sexy. I want Van Geiskum to be some sort of name for Esther, me. That's my pen name. Esther I'm going to make that my stage name. Nina Van Geiskum. For stand-up now. Yeah, we'll see. So how, where you're going to find me. We'll see how far you go. That's Hell sound- yeah. That sounds like, because Germans, they have a really good reputation in comedy, right? I am German. Yikes. That's why I'm not famous. Well, Esther Van Geiske made her way into the world in 1900, turn of the century, in Belgium, and met and married her husband, who has a worse name than her, Theophile. Theophile Vermeer. That cannot be how you're supposed to say that. What? Theophile? I'm almost positive that's correct. Okay. You think it's Theopoly? Like he's fucking Theophily? Greek dog? Dude, it's I don't theophile. know. That's fucking weird. Theophile. It's Theophile. All right. Well, that's how it's spelled. That's definitely how it's spelled. Vermeersch also is his last name. So it only it only gets worse. But she did ditch Geiskum for Vermeersch uh, in her early 20s uh, when they got married. They then decided to pack up and move to one of the largest cities at the time, London. Uh, theophile had been there previously. And, and liked it on like uh, some. I think it was uh, military related, but I'm not sure. I but do love London. I don't blame him. London, yeah, it's uh, supposed terrible to, food. It was supposedly, especially at this time. I don't know how good it is now. Very dirty. But uh, um, I would say when I went, I went in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it being overwhelmingly dirty. Well, I'm um, talking about like industrial age London, like well, in the early. So no 1900s. one's throwing poop in the streets anymore. No, it's not the French Revolution, dog, which was not actually that far in front, like, like yeah. before this. But yeah. So they moved to London and they open up a small cafe on Dean Street in the Soho borough. This little shop was named Patisserie Valerie. And although pictures have finally revealed Esther and Theo as the original owners, it is still lost to history why they chose Patisserie Valerie as the name. We I mean, do- it sounds good. We don't know. Her name's not Valerie. Um, they're also, like, not... Well, Patisserie Valerie sounds French. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. 
Maybe they maybe they might have copied the name from someone else. I don't know. Yeah. Um, however, everyone began referring to Esther as Madame Valerie. So she kind of took on the name. The business gave her a name instead of the other way around. That's funny. Um, during World War II in 1941, the original Dean Street location was destroyed in bombings in London because those were fashionable at the time. Uh, but they quickly opened a new location on Old Compton Street after the war, uh, which is where all the British rappers are raised nowadays. Oh, cool. On Compton Street? Do you not get the joke? Yeah, thing? I get it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's like, like if Daisy was British, that's where it'd be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I understand. Straight out of straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Right, right in the lorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fuck the police. You, you got to say like Bobby's or the the fuzz, like some British. I don't know. What, I don't know about that off the top of I, my head. Hey, fuck the bloody fuzz, right? I'm uh, straight up. I'm down with crime. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Cheerio. Uh, real British rap sounds just about as funny as that. By the way, um, then in 1947, Theophile shuffled off this mortal coil. He died, leaving Esther to run Patisserie Valerie by herself, which she did for 18 years until 1965. Wow. Uh, we're here for a strong. When when woman. was she born? 1900. So she ran. All right, so she's 65. Okay. And she died in 1975. So, okay. So, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and here again, we have a mystery. It is believed that Esther sold the business to either one or multiple Italian businessmen. Uh, but there is also a tale that it was kept in the family until it was definitely bought by Italian <laughs> businessmen. Uh under the name the Scalzo Brothers in 1987. But between those 12 years between are really, there's not a lot. Um, the brothers would put in some of the groundwork of actually turning Patisserie Valerie into a chain as they grew the business to include six locations from the one. Uh, but our, the real start of our story is in 2006 when a famous British entrepreneur, Luke Johnson, bought the company and would start morphing it into one of the largest cafe chains in the United Kingdom. Luke Johnson, who refers to himself as a projector, which is an antiquated term for a man involved in many businesses, um, is just about as pretentious as that makes him yeah. sound. Uh, but he has all of this pretension because he went to Oxford. Oh, fancy, fancy. And was inspired to enter business by an interview that he did with Richard Branson, the mega entrepreneur whose virgin company title is plastered on everything from phones to rocket ships. Um, Richard, he is knighted, Richard Branson. So Anybody can get knighted. Scott Disick is knighted. Who? Kourtney Kardashian's ex-husband. Oh, okay. Well, what did he do? He paid to get knighted. Oh. Or no, I think he's a lord. Actually, I think he's a lord. Oh, well, you know. Lord Scott Disick. Lord Scott Disick of South Hampshire. Um, there's probably a British person out there being like, he's not the, he's not the Lord of South Hampshire. No, he's definitely not. That's, that's small-nosed poppledycock. You know, whatever the British names they have. Um, so he graduated from Oxford with a degree in uh, physiological sciences in 1983. But instead of using that, he moved into being an analyst for a stockbroker. In 1993, he cemented his name in casual in the casual dining business 
by taking control of a small chain of pizza restaurants under the name Pizza Express. That sounds like good pizza. Huh? Sounds like really good pizza. Right? Pizza Express. Um, And Johnson became the chairman of this company. Uh, Under his direction, this traditional Italian pizza chain, which that was their thing. They serve like traditional Italian pizza at a place called Pizza Express. It sounds like a joke. Well, I won't lie. There is a pizza place in Chicago called The Art of Pizza, and it sounds like I... Like I would, I didn't really want to order there because I was like, this sounds like a stupid name. It's not going to be that good because I wanted wood fired pizza, and they had it. Honestly, very good pizza. Yeah, but that sounds funny on purpose. I, pizza Express is is like a Pizza Hut. It sounds like Panda Express. You know, I mean, kind yeah. of, but is for pizza. Uh, this pizza chain expanded from only twelve locations to over two hundred and fifty over the course of six years while he owned it. Well, it can't be too bad. Jesus. Um, And it actually still remains a huge business to this day, now with 500 plus restaurants and has even expanded to foreign countries like Canada, China, and Saudi Arabia. Wow. They all have Pizza Expresses. Um, Fun fact, by the way, going on a Pizza Express tangent here, Pizza Express was founded in 1965 and has weirdly been really involved in the jazz scene in the UK. Why? They opened it, like, the founders also opened a jazz club at the same time okay. in London that was, like, a really popular jazz club. Interesting. And, and at that jazz club, they have had Aretha Franklin and Amy Winehouse perform. Just to, I wanted just a, a slice of pizza, but they said no, no, no. P-I-Z-Z-A, that is what I want for me. P-I-Z-Z-A. That is what I want for me. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. But they did actually, when they started out in 1965, they had people like play in their their pizza restaurant. Like, I don't know, the, the, the owners just really fucking love jazz. And they were one cool. of the big reasons that jazz popped off. In that's the cool. In 1960s, over there. Um, in 1999, Johnson sold the Pizza Express for a hefty profit after raising its share price more than 22 times. It was a publicly traded company, and then he took it from, like, 40 pence or whatever to, like, 22 times that. A year later, in 2000, he began running a private equity company to manage all of his deals, known as Risk Capital Partners Limited. He also expanded his repertoire to become chairman of multiple businesses, including the Royal Society of Arts and even Channel 4, one of the largest media companies in Britain. So he has done, like, a weird array of things. Mm. Like, he doesn't stick to one business. That's why he's a projector. (laughs) Uh, in 2006, Risk Capital Limited bought Patisserie Valerie with the intentions of repeating their success with Pizza Express. They saw an untapped market with the cafe sit-down service. They were already well-known for their cakes and coffees as well as their brunch menu, and brunching was becoming more popular at this time. So they took Patisserie Valerie and ran with it, expanding from eight locations when they bought it to just under 200 by 2017. Wow. I thought that's a pretty big expansion. Yeah, and this is just in... Um, the UK. It's just in Britain at this point, actually. Um, not even to the other parts yeah. of the UK. No, uh, nothing for Northern Ireland. But in 2017, actually, they did expand beyond Britain. Um, they opened up a shop in the Republic of Ireland <laughs> that year. Uh, they also were expanding uh, into commercial markets by offering their cakes for sales 
at Sainsbury's, which is a popular grocery chain over there, okay. I guess. Uh, and on top of this, they took the company public in 2014, raising 33 million pounds in capital from the offering. And over the next four years, the company's stock would continue to rise as the business expanded and the balance sheets still showed profits. At the largest, or at its largest, Patisserie Valerie was valued at 450 million pounds. Wow. Of which Johnson had the largest stake at 37%. Luke Johnson did not really run the day-to-day of this large business, though, as he was busy being a projector. So he instead delegated this role to the executives of the company, led by the director and CFO, Chris Marsh. But not everything was running as smoothly under the hood as the stock price would make it seem. Mm, there was mold in the croissants. What kind of projector do you think it'd be? Like a Toshiba? Yeah. <laughs> Still, I don't know any of those. <laughs> I was just saying, you pull out a any other... Samsung? Oh, surely not that good. Oh, all right. Surely not that good. Well, probably a Toshiba then. Probably something off Alibaba. In February of 2018, the three leaders of the company, CEO Paul May, CFO Chris March, and non-executive director James Horler. Oh my gosh, I went to school with a Jim Horkler. Great. They sound the same. Jim Horkler was cray-cray. They sound kind of similar. James Horler uh, cashed in multiple of their own shares of Patisserie Valerie, totaling just under six million pounds. Although the company was still performing at record paces. In June, this triumvirate of leadership, as well as other members of the board, offloaded another 7.2 million pounds in stock. On October 10th of that year, Patisserie Valerie reached out to the market on which they were listed, notifying them of irregularities in their accounting that would require an immediate influx of capital or else it would not be able to trade in the same capacity that it had been before. Damn. Because of this, they requested that trading of their stock be immediately suspended, which they were granted. They also informed the market that Chris Marsh had been suspended from his role as oh, CFO. Oh man, Chris! Oh, oh sounds no. like he's not. He's a he's an introvert. No, what's his? I don't know. A little sad boy, not a projector. An well, anti-projector. No. no, yeah, he's a an anti-projector. I don't know something. They, so there's like this thing where there's like a, it's almost like the um, INF, you know, it's almost like the personality traits thing. Oh, this projector. Yeah, the 16 personality test. Yeah, but there's like, there's another one where like projector is one of those. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. I, okay, so side note, because I know we have time because this is going to be a short episode. I hate those personality tests. Yeah. Have you done the 16? I did one time. I don't remember what it was. People are, people are going to give me so They're much like, flack for I am this. an INFG. I'm such an INFG. Look at my, what, you know what I did? I actually went and I looked at the descriptions for all of them. Uh-huh. And I was like, I could fit this. I could fit all of these to me. But people freaking swear by that thing because it gives you a little it gives you a little badge a little label yep. to tell everyone you're you know like i'm think, this you know what i think your personality actually is a d-i-c-k nice thanks got him got him fuck yeah hell yeah uh yeah it's not my thing and people will like, bast you for taking that position it's another like it's honestly to me it's very much it's very similar to astrology where like it's just an excuse for people to do shit 
Yeah. Like read every horoscope. It can apply to you. Yeah. If, if you in one way or the, another, if you do the mental gymnastics, it can apply to you. Like, I do think that when you are born does affect your personality a little bit, but like, whatever. Are you fucking with me? Or are you? No, <laughs> not. How? How? Because if the earth is affected by the moon and the tides, how could you not be? Oh, gravity is your explanation? <laughs> oh, yeah. The time you're born affects your personality because gravity. Yeah. Well, and where you're born. I think where you're born definitely affects your personality. Yeah, because that's the society you grow up in. Yeah. But what is society except for a bunch of people interacting, objects interacting? That's gravity. Exactly. See, I, I told I'm, you. I'm on the same page with you. Yeah, thank you. Wow, that never happened. <laughs> it's because I'm being facetious. facetious. Oh. So this, <laughs> so Chris Marsh gets suspended and they go, ooh, oopsie, no money market, sorry. So this car. <laughs> I'm just a coffee shop. I'm just a little coffee what shop. What do you expect? We make cakes. Uh, this I don't know how to do business. I just make a cake. Well, they didn't. Uh, this caused Luke Johnson to almost immediately lose $100 million because oh, he had so much invested whoa, in the company. Whoa, whoa. Uh, the next day, the company announced that there was a shortfall between the reported financial status and what the actual status of the company was on the books. And that they were on the brink of completely closing their doors. They were like, basically, we don't have the money to operate unless yeah. someone gives us money please the next day after that british police announced that they had arrested chris marsh on charges of counterfeiting company accounting which by the way that's like record-breaking fast like in yeah. america if someone does accounting fraud they don't get arrested for years yeah he yes. got arrested immediately that unfortunately will not be the story this whole time but i was like damn three days that are already they already got this guy they don't fuck around i guess not um he was pretty pretty immediately bailed out, obviously, and the serious fraud office of the British government, which is like the SEC, basically, um, opened an investigation into what was going on at Patisserie Valerie. It turns out that Chris had been misstating the amount of cash the company actually had in its accounts, grossly overstating it. So that although the company believed it had about $24 million in cash, like liquid assets, they weren't able to pay a 1.1 million pound tax bill that had come due. Ooh, whoa. Which is kind of... That's a problem. Yeah, that'll shut you down. Yeah. Um, immediately following this, Luke Johnson swept in to attempt to save the day by providing Patisserie Valerie with an immediate cash infusion of 20 million pounds as a loan to help them meet their deficit on the books. Wait, the owner gave them a $20 million loan? Okay, so he's he's the majority stakeholder. Yeah. Or the majority shareholder. Yeah. He's not technically the owner. Oh, okay. Um, So like I said, he wasn't there running the day-to-day, -day, but he owned 37% of the stock. Okay. He didn't have a controlling stake. Well, I guess he does, but if everyone... But he can't make decisions just by himself. Heard. Um. So he sweeps in and he's like, I'll just give you 20 million pounds to make this go away. Um, and the company announced a plan to release another stock offering to help raise capital immediately. However, it then quickly came out that in addition to their cash misstatements, the company also had unauthorized and unreported debts of almost 10 million pounds. So the hole became deeper. So now the net's like 34 million pounds that are in debt or in the hole. 
They hobbled along for another few months, trying their best to gain an influx of capital from banks, but after no one was willing to throw them a line of credit, which the company states was a direct result from the significant fraud. That would make sense. The bank, yeah, the banks are like, uh... Yeah, we're not... No? I don't blame them. Huh? That's literally like someone coming in and being like, who just stole your TV, and they're like, can I borrow a cup of sugar? You're like, no. You're like, no, you can't, you asshole. Right. Um, so they want to... very D-I-C-K of you. Yeah. Yeah. Your personality showing. This is just becoming the same level of, of what people believe in the personality test. Mm-hmm. You're like, people are like, honestly, if you gave them a badge, you're like, you're a dick. They'd be like, I am a dick. I am. It makes so much sense, actually. It's crazy because my dick. personality trait is actually SLUT. So. Mm. You, you <laughs> prove it every week on this podcast. I'm not- are you, do you, are you really going to sit there and act shocked? Go back and listen to a couple episodes. No. Huh? Okay. I think of one very specific episode uh, in my brain. What was that you said at the beginning of the top of the episode about, uh, it was like sausage and. and oh croissant. yeah. DP. And, uh, what was Double that? pastry. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. I don't, I don't know if those two things are related, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I did forget. Whatever. That. It was 20 minutes ago. I did uh, so they went into administration on January of 2019 and I already, what's administration? It's not a thing in America. What's administration? Well, they would know because okay. they're British, right? Uh, this is basically the UK equivalent of like corporate bankruptcy and is somewhat between or kind of like somewhere between a chapter seven and a chapter 11 bankruptcy here in America. So it's chapters eight through 10. Yeah, exactly. I actually don't even know what those are. I'm sure they mean, no, I actually don't think they mean something. Someone my, who knows my, my friend worked at a chapter 13 bankruptcy. I think it refers to like like where it is in the law mm-hmm. that states these kind that of makes sense. Things. So yeah. they might just not be anything about it in like eight, nine, and ten. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Someone who knows more. Whitecollarsgmail.com. Send us an email. I could know. just I could just text my aunt. She's worked at a chapter 13 bankruptcy forever. Yeah, but did she listen to the podcast? No, I hope then not. And don't give her a free shout out, huh? You guys tell us. Um for those who need a refresher, in the U.S., a Chapter 7 bankruptcy is a liquidation bankruptcy where someone comes in, sells whatever assets might be left in a company to recover whatever small amount of money can be found for the investors. A Chapter 11 bankruptcy is a reorganization where the company comes to a deal with its creditors to restructure their debt and continue business to try and pay it off. With administration in the UK, they literally give the company to another company to do this process. Oh, interesting. They say, you're bad at this. Give us your company. We're going to give it to somebody else, and they'll make all the decisions about what to do. Um, The administrator gets 12 months to whip the company going going under into shape and either liquidate its assets or find a buyer for the company. Okay. So they basically just hand it off and say like, okay, you figure it you, out. Yeah, you figure out if it should be liquidated or what can be recovered or if you can restructure it, sell it off, whatever. Um, Patisserie Valerie came under the administration of KPMG, which you may know from some of our other episodes uh, because they are one of the big four accounting firms that have uh, been letting things slide for other companies as their auditor a couple of times in our episodes. Well, in the UK... They are in charge of saving them sometimes. And KPMG's first progress report on the company showed that they actually didn't have a shortfall of around 3 million pounds oh. in cash. Uh, 
Instead, it was actually somewhere closer to 97 million. Oh. So like three times the, the amount. Uh, and because of this, KPMG immediately closed 90 of the 197 stores. 70. What did I? Oh, you said 90. Mm-hmm. KPMG immediately closed 70 of the 197 stores that were not shown to be particularly profitable, putting 900 of the almost 3,000 person staff immediately out of a job. Oh, man. Like they showed up. Like some people showed up to work and it was just a just a paper, like like taped in the window. It was basically like, "Hey, fuck." Uh, so this is an administration that you you no longer have a job. And there was a thing that's like, if you ordered something for pickup, you have to call this hotline because it got sent to a different store. You have to go to the, you have to go to a different petitioner, whatever's closest to you. Um, however, it should be noticed that Luke Johnson did give another $3 million to the company in the form of an unsecured loan when this happened to cover all of the employees' wages from the month of January. I, you know what? I'm kind of on board with Luke Johnson. I, he does, like, I would almost never say this about, like, multi-millionaires. Yeah. Right? He seems like an all right guy. Well, that, like, that just, I mean, to me, like, no other company that we've, I don't think any other company that we've ever covered has the majority stakeholder like covered employees wages when the company was going under oh absolutely not they yeah. just like Meh, they're like you. oh fuck off and he didn't even do like he didn't do he anything did, yeah he didn't do any of the wrongdoing so yeah i'm on board with luke johnson i get he did i guess luke he, johnson 2024 he did appoint the people that were doing the wrong thing that were doing it because because they that those three people had been with the company for like since 2006 when he bought it. So I guess you could say it's kind of his fault, but uh, he really, he lost $100 million. Yeah. I, it, I think it hurt him worse than anyone else. Honestly, yeah, that's a lot of money. And on top of that, Luke Johnson also was like pretty shaken up by it. Like there's this interview with him where he was like, it was like my life was absolutely ruined. Like I did not want to go out into public because I thought people would be staring at me. I uh-huh. He's like, I had insomnia because he was so worried about this because it was the first time that he had like a big failure <laughs> like yeah. this kind of thing. And it really wasn't his out. fault either. So that's hard. Yeah. Um, had to be difficult. Yeah. And, and KPMG didn't have to work long after that, however, as they negotiated the sale of the chain to an Irish private equity firm, Causeway Capital Partners, in February of 2019 for only 5 million pounds. So they bought the whole bit. Well, that was only the Patisserie Valerie chain. They actually technically owned some like other spinoff like sandwich companies and things mm-hmm. that, that sold separately for 13 million pounds to a different company. Okay. Um, in 20, 20- still not that much. No. Compared to what they were worth. They were worth 450 million yeah. pounds at their height. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also based on a lie. Yeah. In 2020, in response to the pandemic shutdowns, the firm cut an additional 11 stores from the Patisserie Valerie brands down to just 75 uh, but since then, it has been announced that they might actually be opening more stores in the future. So they might be back on the road to recovery, but, you know, time will tell. As for the ones behind the scheme and the details of the fraud, that doesn't have a very detailed or happy ending yet. The Serious Fraud Office has only released a few media pieces on the investigation that really don't provide a lot of details, and it seems as if the investigation is actually still underway. What can be said is that Chris Marsh was not the only one to get hit from the charges or hit with charges from the downfall of Patisserie Valerie. In September 2021, the company's auditor, Grant Thornton, which I literally thought was a person, 
for most of the time researching this. Oh, it's a company? It is a company. Oh, that sounds like a person's name. That is just a person's name. That's so confusing. I guess it's like Arthur Anderson. I knew a Grafton Thornton. Grafton Thornton? That's a that's a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, but no, that's a company, not a person. Uh, but they were saddled with a 2.3 million pound fine for blatant incompetence on their part. Um, like, how do you not notice this big discrepancy on the balance sheet? Um, I don't think they found them like, what is it, maliciously compliant? Mm-hmm. They were mostly just recklessly negligent. Okay. So, still. That's your whole still job. not good, but it's your yeah. whole job. You should probably be doing it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't. We don't know exactly how they hit it, like the money and the difference. Maybe it was something pretty clever, but my money is on that it probably was not. Yeah, you know. Uh, after the serious fraud office caught some fire from people thinking that they were dragging their feet when nothing followed the arrest for a few years. Uh, Finally, in September of 2023, four people were finally charged with fraud in relation to the cafe's collapse. The triumvirate of leaders, plus Chris Marsh's wife, accountant Louise Marsh, were charged. It took five years, but justice is finally going to get served, right? Well, they seem to be like a Mormon girlfriend. They like to take things slow because... Mm, they're just letting this case soak, man. Huh? I bet you anything, though, Chris Marsh is the one jumping on the bed. <laughs> because after the first hearing date for the four occurred in November of 2023, it was announced that the three-week trial was not set to commence for another two years and is currently scheduled for June of 2025. Dang. And that's if they make the date that they set to do it. Yeah. You know, how often does that happen? I mean, I don't, I don't know in the UK. I feel like they might America, have their shit a little happened. more together than we do, but who knows? I don't know. When don't the court's know. led by a fucking magistrate, they got to have their shit. All right. <laughs> that guy knows magic. Yeah. All right. Uh, in the meantime, Luke Johnson is still a millionaire. And Patisserie Valerie is also somehow still an active business. Crazy. Although no longer publicly traded. But feel free to order a cake as they send them through the post available at www.patisserievalerie.co.uk. I want to look at their... um... I also put this in here before I noticed this. I thought they might send them out. Uh, They don't. They just deliver them in the towns that they're in. So so if you're you're not in the UK, you cannot order a cake. Mother's Day cakes and hampers. What's a hamper? I don't know. Something British? Mm, This cake looks spongy. The cakes look good. Some of them look good. You know. And imagine. You can pay later with Klarna. You get to go in. You get to have like a little. Afternoon tea. You get to go in. Yeah. Have a little. A oh, little, I want to go. A little espresso. Look how fun that looks. Only 54 pounds for all of that. You can't see. But. I was about to say. Yeah. No. You got some biscuits in there. I would totally do this. Looks good. I feel like they probably could open up. Delivery in, in cakes America. and gateau. Gateau is cake. That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, it's probably like another word for cake. It is. It's French for cake. But why would you say cake and gateau? It's cake and cake. Non is the word for bread. People still say non bread, right? Okay, that's non of your business. What a terrible. Ooh, pun. a Biscoff cake. That looks really good. It's vegan. I'm saying they do look like they got good shit. I'm not gonna lie. 
I'm starving. Okay, I gotta stop looking at it. Not gonna lie. I didn't eat breakfast, dinner. <laughs> Patisserie Valerie has showed us that accounting fraud can be lurking in the most <laughs> unlikely places. No matter how homegrown a nice little shop owned by a Belgian immigrant can seem from the outside, as soon as a multi-billion dollar holding company gets its hands on it, it's just a matter of time before greed, much like Jesus did to Carrie Underwood, takes the wheel. There is far more still to learn about this case, but it seems like it's going to be quite a while until we get it. But one thing seems certain, that what happened at Patisserie Valerie was some sort of outright fraud. So the way I see it, once we get the details, that'll just be icing on the cake. That's <laughs> eh? the last cake pun. You're welcome. Please. All right. Uh, and I think that one's good because that one takes the cake. You know? <laughs> uh, well, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So That was in the first. That was in the intro. Oh, I forgot. All right. Be original. Huh? I can't. Huh? Be or- Once in your life. All right. I can't. God damn it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. My creativity is just a black forest. Black Forest cake. Oh my <laughs> god! I gotcha there. Oh my god! Uh, it's just a bunt of a joke, you know. <laughs> you you're turning this whole thing pineapple upside down, okay? So stop. I can't stop. I won't stop. I can't think of another cake. Uh, uh, then that means we're going to the outro, and That's I fine. won. Thank you all for listening to this week's win. episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Yeah, if you liked, if you liked what you heard, learn about Patisserie Valerie, which we will update you on once there is more information. Because Sean's got to remember that. In two, I won't remember in that. two fucking years. Yeah, because it'll be in two one years. year, twenty twenty four. Okay, a year and a half. It's in June. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, if you liked what you heard, then why don't you go ahead and, and write us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Make it make it nice. Uh, name me specifically and talk about how cute I look today. It would be very appreciated. Uh, if you don't want to be that direct, you can go ahead and write whatever you want or leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which also hosts our video podcast as well as YouTube at White at uh, youtube.com slash white collars red hands so feel free to go check us out there um if you don't use one of those and you're a weirdo but we still love you even if you use Castbox, right um if you're on there there's still a way to like follow or share the podcast so you can go ahead and do that that helps us out a little bit and we love you for it um you can hit us up on our socials you want to dm us or you want to follow us there that's facebook.com slash white collars red hands twitter at white collars pod instagram at white collars underscore red hands you can follow us on tiktok at white collars red hands um if you want to email us we said it in the episode but if you missed it it's white collars red hands at gmail.com so it takes a it takes an intelligent person to suss that one out um you can go ahead and Send something there. Suggest an episode. We're getting to the end of the season. Uh, the, yeah. finale, the finale is next week. Finale is next season. 14 finale is next week. So uh, go ahead and get suggestions. And now we had two listener submitted episodes this season. We sure did. So you, we can have more. If they, they can all but be wait. listener. They, they can all be listener submitted. But wait, there's more. They can. So nothing's stopping you. So go ahead and do that. Um, and the biggest thing that helps us out, tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Huh? If you don't have a friend, make uh, one up. Yeah, uh, become an alcoholic and then go to an AA meeting. You know, I have a bunch of people. That's where that's where they met friends. So obviously, it's pretty good. You do have to be an alcoholic to go. I think though, you can't just show yeah, them. You can't just show them. Be like, my name's Jeff. 
Hello, Jeff. And, and I'm I here need to, friends. And I'm here to meet new people. So <laughs> I think that's frowned upon. Uh, but try it out. If it's not me, then I don't really care. Um, I feel, oh, you know, buy, why don't you buy our merch? <laughs> I knew I was missing something. Oh, yeah, please do. When that. you're at our website, whitecollarsredhands.com, and you're dropping us a line there, you can also uh, click on the button that says check out our merch and buy a buy a hoodie, buy a buy a bag, buy a... Buy anything. Buy anything, please. Money, please, just like Patisserie Valerie. And I think with that, we'll call it the end. So thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red Red Hands. Hands.